you know, we talked to 150 different people. We, we did a bunch of research here, a bunch of work here and, and realized the problem isn't getting the data. The problem is cleaning, parsing, putting all that information together in a way that's accessible, that's usable for building new products. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Brendan, I'm your host, and I'm on the engineering team here at LogRocket. Joining me today are Jin Zhang and Dhruv Gupta, co-founders of Axel, a universal data platform for trucking and supply chain. Um, guys, it's great to have you on. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Um, I guess maybe to start, it would be great if if you two could sort of introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about you and, and where you're coming from, and then talk a little bit about what is Axel and, and what you guys are building. Cool. Yeah. So um, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm not that interesting. When Jin jumps in, he has a much more interesting background than I do. Uh, but I played a lot of SimCity as a kid and uh, went to college to try to bring that to life. Uh, I was a big SimCity 4 guy. Uh, and so in college, I, I studied a combination of computer science and political science, trying to learn more about transportation policy, you know, transportation economics, that kind of thing, uh, as well as how can we build tools that really enable us to have better livable cities, transportation, you know, supply chains, all of that kind of stuff. Absolute blast to study that in school. I spent, uh, you know, a few years uh, doing a bunch of research on micro mobility, bikes and scooter sharing optimization, actually advised by my now co-founder here, Jin Zhang, who's on this podcast uh, with us um, when he was a PhD student there. It was just an absolute blast. And then, um, you know, spent a couple of years doing stuff in startups, working for a seed stage startup here in Boston, trying my hand at, you know, starting my own Y Combinator back startup didn't go super well. It was summer 2020, but that's just how these things go. Um, and, uh, you know, here we are building something new. Kick it over to Jen. Yeah. And um, so for, for myself, I started out a little more on the business and data science side of things. Uh, so I also went to Harvard for undergrad, actually knew Brendan from back in the day. Um, and it's been, it's been a lot of years now. <laughs> well, I mean, if you recall, I think like a huge thing that's had a significant influence on like the way I've thought about problems is our freshman year back in this, like literally 2009, 2010, uh, Harvard Square was taken over by a film set. Uh, and that film was The Social Network, which is the essentially the movie that was made about the story of the founding of Facebook at Harvard. And I think the big ramification there that has shaped the way I thought about problems is thinking about what happens <laughs> essentially when you have social media networks like Facebook and Twitter and others, you connect every human on the internet and sort of the pluses and minuses, the benefits and the costs of that kind of transformation. And so that has always been a sort of a through line in the things that I'm interested in and the kind of problems I want to work on going from Harvard and undergrad and taking classes on social network analysis to going into management consulting and sort of working with these large organizations and businesses and solving the problems that they're facing and, and the organizations that they're trying to manage and the customers they try to serve. Um, and then going to the Federal Trade Commission and working on technology policy and sort of how does the government tackle these kind of problems. And then coming back to Harvard for my PhD, where I was doing all sorts of work on data privacy, algorithmic discrimination, election security, COVID-19 contact tracing technologies, and advising wonderful students like Dhruv and others on all of their passions about thinking about this intersection between the technologies that are building, the data that we're collecting about 
you know, individuals about um, things in the world? And what kind of tools can we then build with that data? Um, and that really is the uh, genesis of how we're approaching the problem here at Axel and Dhruv and I being co-founders of this company uh, where, you know, Dhruv has this clear passion on mobility. And for me, it's really about what's really exciting here is every truck in the United States is now connected to the internet. So like, if you think about that Facebook transformation about connecting every human, what happens when you connect every vehicle to the internet, right? Which is almost a one-to-one, -one, like in the United States, like match to the number of people we have in this country. And so that's what's really exciting about this idea of this transformation in trans uh, in logistics, in trucking, in um, with vehicles to say, we can get all sorts of data now. And what can we build with that data? How do we make that data more accessible? Um, and that's really the kind of problems that we're working on here at Axel. And I'll kick it back to Drew to talk a little more specifics about what we're building. And so at Axel, as Jin said, our mission is to use this data to enable, empower folks to build this future of transportation, where we actually bring things, you know, together to to work in our system, where you know it's a one trillion dollar trucking industry. Seventy percent of goods in the United States and in in Canada are moved by trucks, but we're still we still have all these supply chain problems. We still have all these rising fuel prices, labor shortages. Trucker turnover is ninety percent within a year. Truckers will quit their jobs, and it's because business as usual just isn't working for folks. Truckers are struggling. You and I are struggling to get our you know the goods that we need, and folks that are trying to solve this problem struggle to get the information and data that they need. And so as a result of that. You know, we talked to 150 different people. We, we did a bunch of research here, a bunch of work here, and, and realized the problem isn't getting the data. The problem is cleaning, parsing, putting all that information together in a way that's accessible, that's usable for building new products. And so Axel is a universal data platform that takes data from hundreds of different disparate sources, brings them all together, whether it's telematics providers, sensors, other, you know, IoT technologies, different maps, data sources, different financial data sources, brings all that together into a critical, you know, industry and to solve this problem that you've seen solved in in other industries too. And so for us to solve this in something that's major, impactful, it's pretty exciting. It's like a fun place to be. Yeah. Uh, so so much to dig into there. Uh, but maybe before we talk a little more about about Axel, I'm I'm also curious to hear a little bit of your founder story. Too like, Drew, you said Jin advised your your thesis, but I'm curious how you went from. And not everyone founds a startup with their thesis advisor, so I'm really curious to to hear how you guys sort of went from from working together there to ending up wanting to found a company together. Yeah, it's a that's a funny story. I'll I'll maybe tell like my half of it, and then Jin can come in with with his side. But uh, so so I kind of I remember like during my college interviews, my college interviewer asked like, so like, who's your idol? And I was like, you know, I don't know. Like I had to pick someone from Harvard. Right. So I was like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's cool. Like Bill Gates are cool. And she was like, okay, clearly you want to be an entrepreneur. Would you drop out? And I was like, no, is that the right answer here? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but this is always, that's been on my mind. And the reason for that is because I always saw myself as, a, as, you know, a builder, whether it was like building Lego locks for my door. So my sister would, you know, would stay out 
it doesn't work by the way lego is like very easily to to tear apart this was should have been obvious to me um or you know graduating to to writing code and and doing like robotics and things like that to to like build problems that i or build solutions to problems that i had right so that's kind of like how i've been i've been thinking for the last like 20 years and 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 so coming into college that was my goal it was it was to you know build solutions to to problems that i faced that's how i got into micro mobility and bike sharing optimization i would commute from you know one part of cambridge to another part of cambridge using uh blue bikes which is the local bike bike sharing and you know it was just it's a very if anyone from lyft is listening to this it's a very poorly optimized system um and uh and so you know you know a lot of the work that that i did was has always been like pushed by this impetus jin thinks in my opinion the same way and and so it was a very natural fit for us you know we had taken a couple of he had taught a couple of the classes that i had taken to kind of fall into this thesis advising um and and as a result of sort of us having similar mindsets, we also became just fast friends. Um, and and so we spent like the next two years as I was trying different you know products and projects, um, going to different companies where Jin just gave me just the a worldview that like, you know I I wanted to hear, needed to hear a lot of really great advice, great friendship, and as a result of that, we knew we worked really well together. We knew that we had this like strong relationship where we both understood both our strengths and weaknesses. And so here we are, you know, um, a couple of years later, a few months of actually working on building this product out. Um, and, uh, you know, when Jin was coming out of his PhD, you know, he was like, look, I want to do something new and I'll, I'll kick it Yeah. Up. I mean, for myself, I think Drew definitely, <laughs> Uh, walked through a lot of just the early uh, years of experiences that we had that were really positive working together and really appreciated. And I think start start uh, sort of zooming in a little bit over the past year, uh, essentially I wrapped up my PhD at Harvard uh, in May of last year. I had a fellowship position at Harvard where I was helping launch the new public interest tech lab uh, and sort of kicking off sort of a lot of the work I was doing during my PhD around combining public interest with technology but I was also looking for like something a little more entrepreneurial I think uh, in terms of like I have all these skills that I've developed over the years on both the technical side and building technologies um, both at Harvard and elsewhere um, as well as you know working with lots of students like Drew in sort of like their own entrepreneurial pursuits and advising them and sort of feeling like hey like I can tackle all sorts of problems now like and I have the degree and it's like what is the problem that's really motivating and interesting to tackle and so where we started out at uh was uh just hacking our cars <laughs> really is that if you're like gonna go into the founding story of Axel is I have a Honda CRV and the the question was really like hey so we know there are computers and cars uh what kind of data can we get out of our cars right and so this is like literally the winter in Boston, it's like negative 20 degrees outside. I had the heater turned on in my car and we're just like on our computers, plugging away, trying to pull data out of my car. And, you know, you know we got some really cool like success in terms of like the data we were pulling. Uh, and then as we started shopping around this idea and this potential product with customers and like companies that might actually want to get data out of vehicles, very quickly it became apparent that first on the passenger consumer side of things, like everyday people that are driving, they're not crazy like us and just want to hack their own cars necessarily. I'm going to feel a lot of anxiety about plugging things into their own personal vehicles to get data out of it. But 
on the trucking, logistics, commercial side of things um, that we're talking about, those like, you know, large vehicles that you see on the road, that's now legally required. Like Congress passed a law in 2015 and the law sort of fully got enforced starting in 2020 to say, hey, if you're a trucker on the road today, you have to have what's called a electronic logging device plugged into your vehicle to verify that you're driving safely, that you're following the law in terms of the number of hours you're driving, the kind of loads and deliveries that you're doing. Um, and so that is data that's already out there. And talking with um, the customers that we work with that are working with these fleets, the issue is not the data doesn't exist, but it's that in it's in all these diff different kinds of formats. There's 800 devices on the market. It's highly fragmented. There's 100 different companies that are selling devices. So if you're trying to get data, but it's coming from hundreds of data sources, that's really overwhelming. Um, and that's really where we really saw an opportunity for Axel to help solve this kind of problem as the genesis of like, let's get all the data into a single platform so that you can talk to us to get the data you need. And then from then on, we can help our customers build additional analytics and other kinds of tools to um, extend the utility of that data. Because it's really interesting data at the end of the day. I think that's what's motivating and it's exciting here is it's information about the vehicle, right? Like the speed, the location, the engine information, the brake information, but it's also information about the human. It's about the driver. It's who are they? Uh, what kind of deliveries have they done? What's their track record? And what's in the, especially in trucking, what's in the back of the vehicle, right? Like what is the delivery that's being made? Where does it have to go from point A to point B? What's the company that's making that shipment? So all that data is like really rich data that we get to play with about things in the real world um, that is essentially representative of literally 70% of all goods that are shipped in the United States, like whenever you go into a supermarket, like that's the kind of data that we're talking about in terms of like, where, how did that object get to that supermarket? Yeah, so you've, you've mentioned a couple, a couple of the different sort of data streams or data points that can come out of a truck. And I guess, you know, as a web developer, I'm used to thinking of things as like API responses that, you know, come back when I when I curl Stripe's API or, or something. But I'm imagining that's very different than what the data that comes out of a truck looks like. like. Can you talk a little bit more about what are the different data sources that you get from connected vehicles and, and what they look like and maybe what's like hard or interesting about working with them that creates the need for a product like Axel to sort of provide an abstraction layer over them? Yeah. So... One thing that's really interesting is uh, we're integrating with the cloud APIs of these companies that are making devices that go into the vehicle, right? So, so to go back to my story with the Honda CRV, initially we were like, "Hey, let's go plug into the vehicles ourselves," like, and you know, everyday vehicles that every. Uh, like Honda CRVs, and now there's all these companies that already have the devices plugged into the vehicles. Those devices, via essentially like 4G, talk to some cloud server of the manufacturer of the device. And so for us, the the ability to get information from a vehicle into the internet, that first link has been solved um, by the partners that we work with. Uh, and so when we now talk to, so similar to say your example of Stripe, like when Stripe is talking to all the banks and stuff, they're just talking from one cloud server to another cloud server. That's also what's happening here on our end is we are talking to the different API endpoints or the other ways of accessing data um, beyond like REST APIs from the different um, partners that we integrate with. Um, and so this is information 
that's coming in in terms of like the GPS data of a vehicle, uh, the information about the fuel levels of the vehicle, the speed of the vehicle, the uh, you know odometer readings of vehicles. Uh, it could also be information about the driving behavior. Uh, and that's really interesting if you think about applications in, for insurance and monitoring of safety and other um, purposes of saying, like, is there harsh braking that's happening, right? Is there speeding that's happening? Is there, you know, harsh turns that are being made? Um, and so that is information that we're accessing from the partners. And then when they go onto the Axel platform, that is then accessible to the customers that we serve that says, hey, I'm, you know, working with Fleet A. Fleet A has, you know, these devices plugged in. Can I get the data from those devices through Axel so that I can just use this data for the different, you know, dashboards that I'm building for that fleet or the fuel card I'm serving that fleet or the insurance product I'm working with that fleet or the shipment that I'm working with the fleet on. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for Pod Rocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right. Back to the show. I guess this is this is a very like question to ask startup founders, but I'm I'm curious also who is the sort of user who's going to use these these dashboards or are going to be sort of integrating with the product you're building? Like whose job does this make easier? Who's the person who's going to make thank God this this service exists? This is a great question. So it, if we think about sort of the flow and all the parties that are involved, the flow of data, you've got your individual vehicles and all of those have devices on board. Those devices, as Jin mentioned, connect up to some cloud API. Let's pick Samsara, Geotab, you know, a bunch of companies here that do that. Let's pick Samsara. So Samsara's cloud API, you know, has all this information about these vehicles. There's a fleet owner, unless it's an owner operator, in which case it's just one person, but there's a fleet owner who owns a few vehicles. Um, and, you know, they're trying to use some software to figure out, hey, where are all my vehicles? Who's driving them? How much are they driving? They're, they're trying to use some sort of fuel card. Like, hey, I want to issue this card to driver A so that they can, you know, swipe at the pump and they don't have to pay out of pocket for that gas. And then they, you know, they want to use insurance, of course, um, and, and all of these different products. They don't want to have to deal with and have to figure out how to share that information to those to those services. And the services want to make sure that they can capture as much information from as many different people as possible. And so in the at the end of the day, our customer is our customer is the developers at those financial services or those dashboard companies, what are called TMSs, transportation management services, uh, driver management companies, insurance companies. Those are the you know those are the people that we're working with. Those are the folks that are our customers. But the end user frequently will be you know the fleet um, because they'll have to see, hey you know this is where I put in my credentials. This is how I you know log in and share that data. I would think of an analogy as maybe to Plaid, where when you log into let's say Robinhood, and then you're you know connecting your Bank of America or Chase account to Robinhood so that you can you know 
buy a bunch of AMC and lose money down the line. Um, this is not financial advice. Um, <laughs> then, uh, um, yeah, you know, actually, it's not financial advice. I really regret not buying AMC. Um, <laughs> putting that aside, um, you know, when when you log into Robinhood, Plaid shows you a pop up as the user, and and you know says, "Hey, put in your Bank of America credentials. We'll get your Bank of America information for you." On the other hand, however, the actual customer for that is Robinhood themselves and the Robinhood developers. So, you know, that's the kind of unique thing about being a back-end tool that has a front-end component to it there's a bit of a we have to work for multiple people here yeah and i guess that that leads really nicely into talking a little bit more about sort of what the product you're building is like both what the what's the first thing you guys want to ship and maybe also like i think this is always interesting to talk about founders with why did you decide that was the right first thing to build like why is this the the thing to bring to market first Great. Um, yeah, so the first product that we're really building is this universal API um, to be able to help our customers, you know, essentially onboard fleets, get access to the data of the fleet that is, you know, stored in these different device makers companies, these telematics providers companies, um, and then be able to, you know, use that data for the different business purposes uh, to ultimately offer a better service to the fleet itself. And that's really like making translating the data collection into like value and money in, in the pocket of a fleet whether that's you know a cheaper uh insurance product that the fleet can now access or you know advising on how to save money at the pump which is a huge cost when it comes to trucking um and so where we're starting out with our product is uh essentially uh uh, uh there's two parts to it on the primarily on the back end part we are essentially building data pipelines to all the different integration partners that we have, um, like Samsara, like Geotab, like eRoad, um, and a whole host of others <laughs> that we're working with. Um, and then having their data be uh, accessible through the Axel API so that from our customer's perspective, all they have to do is on the front end side of things, show a essentially a, uh, a tool, the, a link tool to the fleet to say, hey, choose your telematics provider from this dropdown. You select Samsara or eRoad or Geotap or others. And then you say, okay, what's your username and password? Um, and then it you know, sends you over to the, follows the correct authentication flow essentially to say, do you allow the data to be shared? You give permission for the data to be shared. And then bada bing, we're handling the rest. Uh, we get the authentication tokens. We can then access the data for that fleet. That data can then be onboarded onto Axel and then accessible to our customer to be able to be used to understand what's going on with the number of vehicles, what's going on with the drivers, what's going on with the routes. You sort of made me think about the the price of gas, obviously being, you know, well over double what it was kind of at the the COVID low and you know new legislation being passed. And, and it seems like maybe uh, in stark contrast to, to Dhruv, I've spent very little of my life thinking about logistics and, and thinking about these types of problems. But now it feels like supply chain is everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's thinking about it. There's you know shortages of, of all kinds of things that we've basically taken for granted our entire lives, at, at least in the US. Um, I'm curious, you know, what's what have been some of the maybe you know opportunities or 
challenges of trying to launch a product in the logistics space in this moment where it feels like logistics is both probably under a ton of pressure, but also maybe there's more momentum for change. I'm, I'm curious to hear what that looks like from, from your perspective. You got it. In the last, you really hit the nail on the head there. This is a huge problem that affects every single thing. I think, you know, we're, we're looking at inflation. We're looking at increased housing prices. We're looking at, you know, problems with childcare, with baby formula supply chains disrupted. Every single person in, in America and, and, and around the world is affected by these supply chain issues. And, and so as a result of this, since this has become so salient to so many people, we are seeing a huge upheaval and increase in freight tech, supply chain tech companies, folks that don't want to disrupt because disruption in this space is the opposite of what we're looking for. They, they want to find efficiencies. They want to streamline things. They want to make life easier, simpler for truckers, for freight, for, you know, shippers, carriers alike. And, and so you, you know, you kind of start with companies like Flexport, multi-billion dollar company that, you know, they're just streamlining so many things in the, in the shipping industry. And then you go all the way down the line to, to other smaller companies um, that are just popping up or raising hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I, I mean, you're seeing companies like Stored, you're seeing companies like Project 44, even Samsara IPO'd at the beginning of the year for you know six billion dollars. And that and you know that kind of you know the the monetary valuation isn't isn't really what's interesting here. The the fact is that there's just a lot of money going into this space to invest in building resilient supply chains, and people are building really interesting solutions, whether it's you know, trying to reduce how much time is spent at the warehouse or at the, you know, shipment location so that you can just get things and go, whether it's building data visibility into trucking like we are or shipping like other companies are, all of that kind of work is immensely interesting and, and kind of adds to just this space. The I think maybe the best way I saw is, I, I can't attribute it to the right person, but I saw a tweet the other day um, that said, Look, 10 years ago, we saw a fintech revolution, and now we're about to see a freight tech revolution. Um, so that, you know, that's what I'm really excited about and, and why Axel feels really special to me, because what we're doing is providing this core data platform, core data layer for this space, where now we basically get to enable all these folks that are trying to make life better for truckers, for the supply chain using this core data that we're we're starting to provide so really excited about that i guess i'm i'm also interested to hear you say that it feels like there's a lot of sort of money and and funding flowing into this space because a big part of the story of the first half of this year has been sort of a flight of capital from tech startups and you know a lot of of companies ipoing and then being immediately underwater i'm curious if if there's like you know, is there an element of people wanting to put capital towards things that are sort of more obvious and, and immediate needs and, and logistics and freight being a space for that? Um, do you feel like it's kind of different than maybe to pick on the fintech market, like what the fintech market was a couple of years ago? Um, what is What does it feel like to be sort of on the ground founding a startup in, in 2022? It's a good question. Um, we did raise a bit of money, and I think we got lucky with the timing in which you know we raised that. Uh, you know, maybe right before things really started to go downhill, um, or right as things started to go downhill. 
all that being said, I think, you know, we're not venture capitalists. What's, what's really important to us is kind of looking at the supply chain and freight tech space. And there's two ways where this could go, right? If, if capital markets are down, you know, mortgage rates increase, et cetera, et cetera. The goal is to reduce consumer spending, right? The, the goal is to tamper down demands so that we can tamper down inflation. That could be not great for the supply chain space. You know, if, if, uh, you know, if folks are spending less, but the other way to look at this is now folks are more interested in building more efficient, resilient supply chains. Folks need to find ways to cut costs, to cut fuel usage, which is great for sustainability goals. They need to find ways to measure how effect- effective and efficient they are. That's great if you're building a data business in the space, man. So, so from our perspective, at least, like that, you know, that's a position that we, we find ourselves pretty fortunate to be in. Yeah, and just taking a more long-term view for us, I mean, there's a huge amount of volatility, obviously, especially over the last several months. Um, but ultimately, the long-term, in it's been more than a decade of just increasing technology spend within this industry, right? Um, where you went from everyone's on the phone all the time and like emailing each other all the time to now you have different data sources that now if you go and log into, you know, the... Uh, website of you know one of the tools that you're using, you can see the data of that one tool. But what doesn't exist yet is can these tools start talking to each other, right? And like that's really where we think that connectivity can and the way that we can provide that connectivity can provide a ton of value. And then there's a ton of interest from the customers and the folks that we talk to to say like, hey. I have literally like 10 different apps on my phone as a trucker, which is like actually what's happening because there's all sorts of people trying to build apps for truckers, um, but none of them talk to each other. And it's really frustrating. And I'm like constantly going through different screens to click on, you know, the same thing over and over again. And if you take a step back, like what is the actual day-to-day life now um, for the people who are managing fleets, for the people who are managing trucking? It's just a lot of manually inputting data to different systems that don't talk to each other that we're hoping to solve. And I think that's the opportunity here that we're excited about because there is technology, there is a wave of digital tools that's been already uh, building. And then now you're at a maturity in the market where something like Axel makes a lot of sense to say all these different tools can now start be integrated so that when everyday things happen to a trucking fleet, like, hey, I have a new driver who just signed on to join my company. I'm super excited. I don't have to log in and call and email 10 different services like my fuel card company, my insurance company, my telematics provider, my um, transportation management solution to tell them about this new person who joined my company. Like, Why can't all of these different systems talk to each other and just understand there's now a new driver? Yeah. And maybe... Maybe that contains the answer to to another question, but it's also, you know, there's a bunch of components that go into being a successful startup. You've got to have a good idea. It's got to be relevant to people. They've got to want the thing you're building, but you've also got to build it at the right time, right? It's the like Facebook versus MySpace story of you can't just have a good idea. You've got to have the right idea at the right time. And I'm curious, you know, why you feel like this is the right time to start building out these kind of data layers and and integrations? Is it just that now there are so many more connected trucks? Are there other forces that are driving the the space to a point where now we need integration services? It's a good question. You're now at this point where 
folks have nearly 100% data penetration into the trucking and, and really most of the commercial vehicle space. That's new. So in this, this regulation that we're talking about on data connectivity in the U.S. at least passed in 2015 wasn't really enforced until December 2019. So now you give folks about a year or so to, to really put you know, that into action, realize that this data is useful. You're seeing a generational shift. You're seeing massive disruption in the supply chain itself. And as a result of that, as we discussed earlier, you're seeing this huge influx of companies looking for this data. The telematics space, trucking in general, is very regional. And so what you're seeing now is also the nationalization of these tools. You know, before folks that were in Arizona would find a local Arizonan, you know, TSP company, telematics company, and then onboard with that. And someone in Virginia wouldn't have even heard of that company. And so as a result of, you know, this kind of nationalization where Samsara, you know, is a national company, a national brand, E-Road is a national brand. Folks are, you know, hopping on to these larger devices, to this hyper-fragmented space, and then looking for solutions that help them manage their entire fleets around the country. So, so there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting trends here that all coalesce into building this core kind of hunger for information and for data so that they can build efficiencies that really only started to come together now. And I think the other piece on the market timing, to your point, I mean, who are we actually building tools for is developers who can actually, you know, look at APIs, right? Um, and I mean, as you mentioned, like most everyday people, uh, including engineers uh, like yourself, may not have thought about the supply chain more than two years ago because it's like, oh, things just show up at our corner store and I don't have to worry about how I got there. But now people are faced with shortages. People are faced with, oh, wow, I, got, I want the new MacBook, but it's going to take like three months for it to like get from the factory in China over to uh, you know the Apple store down the street from me, right? And I think that what's exciting and interesting there is then from a perspective of the people who want to be building it in tech, there's a lot more interest and there's uh, a flow of talent um, wanting to build tech in this space because it's affecting their own lives and they can relate to the impact of that technology. It's not abstract. It's like this means that, frankly, trucks can drive with higher utilization that they don't have to drive empty. Like instead of having only, you know, 60% of the time, there's something in the truck why don't why can't we push that up closer to 80 90% of the time so that that's more money for the tr truckers themselves and it's also you know cost savings in terms of the overall supply chain efficiency yeah it's it's really interesting to think about this whole sort of wave of developers who are running towards this problem of wanting to build sort of apps that influence the supply chain they're about to run into this wall of data fragmentation and you're sort of positioning yourself to be the people standing there with the solution uh, selling selling shovels in the gold rush, I guess. Exactly, and the other thing is, uh, these kinds of these kinds of trends are a bit exponential. Um, someone goes work for goes to work for Samsara for a couple of years, comes up with an idea of their own, starts a new developer uh, tool for the supply chain space, or starts a new you know technology company for the supply chain space. That kind of stuff compounds on itself, and all of those folks need this data. So. That's probably a, a good point to sort of stop and and maybe stop myself. This is a fascinating conversation and, and something I haven't spent a lot of time 
sort of thinking about and now I feel like I'm getting to know through through talking to you guys. Um, before we before we wrap up, um, what would you guys like to point our, our listeners at? Uh, where can they find you online? Where can they find Axel? Who should they follow on Twitter? Uh, what what are your plugs? Yeah, uh, check us out at axelapi.com or if you're interested in a role here, we're, we're actively hiring, axelapi.com slash careers. Um, we, Jin and I, also have a podcast. So if you're interested in that, uh, How Tax Becomes Law, um, available wherever you stream podcasts. Um, and uh, yeah, look the two of us up on uh, LinkedIn or, or Twitter. You know, we're, we're always happy to chat with more folks that are interested in the space. Awesome. And we'll, we'll throw that in the, the show notes. Jin, Dhruv, thank you so much for joining us. It was a great conversation. Um, hope we'll get to, to catch up with you guys soon as, as Axel progresses. Thanks so much, Brendan. Thank you. We'll see you online. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. You can find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.